Technology has revolutionized the world we live in. With rapid development and artificial intelligence, we've created a reliance on automation, but also a fear of the unknown. A certain unease has grown to wonder how far it can all go. Will technology misuse our information, make our jobs obsolete, or even surpass us? With the human race bound to the frightening power of machines, will there come a time where we will all have to submit to technology terror? To 13 Degrees of Screams. Where we watch and dissect your favorite spooky movies. I'm your host, Alex. And Stephanie. And this is a mostly horror podcast. Each season, we will rank 13 movies on a scariness scale from, you guessed it, 1 to 13. We will uncover the real-life myths and legends that inspire these movies and tell you just how authentic they are. This week, I don't even know what is going on in Videodrome. Videodrome. Yeah. Videophone. <laughs> Stephanie. Video drone, I thought it was. Drone. But drone. With an M. Yes. Have you seen this movie before we have watched it? No, and I don't think I will again. Yikes. Not so great. No. Like if I could rate it as like terrible, I would. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Yes. I didn't care for it at all. That's fair. How about you? (laughs) Uh, so I, I had high hopes for this movie because it was Cronenberg. Mm, okay. I never watched any of their other stuff. I, I know of the Fly movie. Yeah, I used to really like the Fly and then at some point in my life got a really weak stomach so I can't really watch it so much anymore. Uh, it's a lot of body horror stuff he's yeah. known for. Got that. If I, I don't know. I'm conflicted. It wasn't, I don't know. I, it's. <laughs> I appreciate what it did. Uh, okay. I could see the concept, what he was going for. Mm-hmm. I just personally was, like, not on board yeah. with it. Uh, okay, to, like, rationalize how I feel, I, I would say that it's probably one of the shortest episodes, or, well, not shortest episodes, shortest movies that we watched aside from maybe, like, Smart House. And even though it's only, like, an hour 20, you're like, wow, I wish an hour and 20 minutes of my life would be over so then I could be done with this. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes you feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which is the intent. And it's, like, one of those things. I don't know if we'll ever talk about Ari Aster on this podcast. We might, so I won't go too far in depth. But it's, like, one of those things that's, like, those movies make you feel uncomfortable, but that's, like, the point. Mm-hmm. So is it a good movie then? Or, you know well, what I'm Ari, saying? Ari Aster's hereditary guy, and right? Midsommar and, and Midsommar. I mean, I like, I like Midsommar a lot, though. And it's not the same vibe as this. Like, really? Yeah. See, really? I was like, I saw that. I was like, I don't know if I ever want to see that again. Oh, really? Yeah. No, Midsommar is probably like one of my favorite horror movies. It's, and that's that's the thing. It was so well done that I'm like, that was a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, fair. I don't know if I need to see fair. this ever again. But... I kind of do to rewatch all the things I missed right. kind of a thing. So it's like, uh, it made me not happy. Torn, yeah. That's And that's kind of how this movie made me feel. Because, like, when you watch it the first time, there's a lot of, like, symbolism and weird things going on that, like, yeah. I honestly couldn't tell you. But I think if I watched it again a couple more times, I'm like, okay. 
Does it feel kind of kink shamey to you because of the whole like BDSM thing? People are like, no, not that. Like shamey? No. I know it, it's bad if it's really happening to people that are not consenting, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But it felt like a lot of people in his like inner circle were like, why would you do that, Icky? Like, like because he liked this new, very torturous kind of pornography. Well, I I think it was. How do I phrase this? Kind of just weird because it was like over just a random signal. Like the, mostly yeah, because true. they didn't know what it was. Like if you're going on a website to search for this stuff on, you know, something like that, that's different. That's than, fair. Like they didn't this, have a true source of where it was happening or like yeah, they thought they did. They're but, like, what the hell right. is going on? So yeah. I think it was more – that's what I got out of it. Okay. But I could see your point. Yeah. I wasn't sure if they were more just like about – it seemed like every time they mentioned that they were like unapproving of it, it always came down to the subject matter because they always said something about like this is the problem with the world today or something. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, would you like to do our – spread the love amongst all our fellow podcasters? I do. There's this podcast we recently met called the Evil Deaths Podcast who covers horror movies much like we do. And I genuinely really like their show. I've listened to like five episodes so far, and they recently shouted us out in their Scream episode, which Scream is one of my favorite movies. So Yes, and we always appreciate the feedback and the shout outs. So we wanted to return the favor. And they're very nice people. We've talked to them a little bit over social media. Yes. They did Human Centipede too. I didn't listen to that though. But I'm very, very curious. Of weak stomachs. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't touch anything with human centipede. Have you have you ever seen any of them? No. Like, this is very off topic compared to what we're going into, but <laughs> I, I heard that, like, the cast and everybody was having a great time because all of the excrement and stuff like that was, was like, a chocolate kind of thing. Oh, so everyone wasn't, thing. like, super, like— Going through it, you know, okay. with this gross, disgusting stuff all around them. But yeah, no, I just yeah, I Although, can't. I, will, I don't want the imagery, you know. No, that's fair. I will say the first one isn't that bad. Really, it's more like the shock value of seeing like what they did. But like as far as like gore and it's like it's a like gross, but it's not like anything crazy. The second one, yeah, don't even watch it. The third one, forget it. Yeah, I just don't, <laughs> don't do, watch those ones. I just don't do well with. Very particular moments of body horror. Like, I don't know. Like, I could watch Saw and stuff like that. For But for me, like, I can really, like, separate myself. But I don't know. With stuff that's, like, purposely trying to, like, freak you out, like human centipede. Yeah. You know, like, it feels like it's just there for the shock value. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, like, the then first it's one, just too much. <laughs> yeah, first one's not too, too bad. But, yeah. Okay. I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I'm very curious to hear. And what else? Yeah, I'm in the middle of the scream one right now, so. Nice. I actually listened to their Sleepaway episode, and I've never seen the movie, but they seemed really knowledgeable about the background and the plot and everything. So I think I might actually go check it out now. You should. It's yeah. a good—I um, was about to say it's a good movie. It's a shocking movie. Okay. It's a shocking movie. Yeah. Anyway, I know that they were really concerned about spoiling it for me, but, like, honestly— <laughs> Bring it on. I love spoilers. You know like, what? That's how I feel more comfortable watching movies anyway. You know what's funny? They say like when you have a movie spoiled for you, you actually enjoy it more because you don't like have that stress of like what's happening. Yeah. And you could kind of pay attention more to like the details as opposed to trying to focus on what's happening. But they say like it actually helps your viewing experience. So I don't 
mind spoilers all that much either. Except no. just like if it's a movie I'm like super anticipating, then I'm like, no. But right. if it's a movie I just like, like, oh, I heard about that movie. I'll watch like YouTube videos of like Dead Meat or something, <laughs> you know, Kill Count, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I'm like, ah, it's fine. Because the movie's still enjoyable. So, yes, there's a girl that does a bunch of other things uh, as well as like horror movie reviews on YouTube called Amanda the Jedi. I mean, she doesn't need the the, the shout out, honestly. She does way better than us. But, <laughs> Don't but, count us out. <laughs> but like, honestly, if there's like a movie that like I'm slightly interested in, but also uh, super worried that it would hit like my threshold of being too scary for me, mm-hmm. I always like check out her reviews to see what like she would say in the spoilers and stuff like that oh, to okay. mentally prepare myself. Yeah. So in summation, Spoil your movies. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then also go check out the Evil Deaths podcast because yes. they're really good. And I genuinely enjoy their show. So. Yes. Are you ready to dive into the background of Videodrome? Yes. Please tell me all about whatever this is. I've uh, practiced my out loud reading, so we'll see. Oh, okay. Actually, no, I haven't. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> okay. And I was like, well, who are you reading to, Zuko? Myself. <laughs> <laughs> Videodrome is a 1983 Canadian science fiction body horror film written and directed by David Cronenberg and starring James Woods, Sonia Smith, and Debbie Harry. Set in Toronto during the early 1980s, it follows the CEO of a small UHF television station who stumbles upon a broadcast signal of snuff films. Layers of deception and mind control conspiracy unfold as he attempts to uncover the signal source. Distributed by Universal Pictures, Videodrome was the first film by Cronenberg to gain backing from any major Hollywood studio. With the highest budget of any of his films to date, the film was a box office bomb, recouping only $2.1 million from a $5.9 million budget. Shoot. Yeah, I know, right? That's not good. No, no glad. It's weird because like, I've heard about this movie, obviously, mm-hmm. and I've seen the trailers, and I've always like was curious about the movie. So... I thought the marketing in the trailer was very uh, appeal- not appealing, but like got my attention. You know, right? So right. Worthy of the attention. Yeah. Mm. Didn't do so great, but I can see why. <laughs> well, you know, you wouldn't know until you saw it. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah, yeah. So. But if you go and like tell all your friends that it oh, sucked, yeah. <laughs> which isn't well, we'll get to the consensus here in a little bit, but yes. And, well, here we go. Actually, the film received <laughs> praise for the special. Makeup effects, Cronenberg's direction, Woods and Harry's performances, its techno-surrealist aesthetic, and its cryptic psychosexual themes. Cronenberg won the Best Direction Award and was nominated for seven other awards at the Fifth Genie Awards. So, Never heard of that, but okay. Neither. Oops. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> if anyone knows, let us know. Yeah. It's now considered a cult classic. The film has been cited as one of Cronenberg's best and a key example of the body horror and science fiction horror genres, which the body horror I could definitely see. For sure. <laughs> if you all could just see Stephanie's face right now. <laughs> Stomach vagina. <laughs> We're already just jumping right ahead. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Actually, skip the episode. <laughs> Stomach I vagina. I told you everything. That's all you need to know. We could have just recorded that. Just. Okay. This has been 13 Degrees <laughs> of Screams. Uh, if you like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the basis for Videodrome came from David Cronenberg's childhood. Cronenberg used to pick up American television signals from Buffalo, New York, late at night after Canadian stations had gone off the air and worried he might see something disturbing not meant for public consumption. I mean, 
in Canada. He's like, oh, those Americans <laughs> watching some very unsavory things. Right. I feel like it's just like regular family sitcoms or something. He's like, oh, no, oh, no. not that. Like, <laughs> Oh, Full House. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. As Cronenberg explained, I've always been interested in dark things and other people's fascinations with dark things. Plus the idea of people locking themselves in a room and turning a key on a television set so they could watch something extremely dark. And by doing that, allowing themselves to explore their fascinations. Cool. I don't. Everyone's HBO alone time. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. You know that like. I don't even think it's a stereotype, but like when the porn like could come on and it's like fuzzy through the that definitely happened to my TV. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> I was like when I was younger. Oh no. And I I did get some of those signals. I'm like, how is this even happening? Oh god. Is that weird? Yeah. I always thought that was like a like a fake thing people made up. Oh yeah. I, I, I would assume, but yeah. Boobies I, through the fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> it was very just weird. got your binoculars out, like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even need binoculars. It's just like, what's going on here? I was like, what is happening? How does that even happen? Who knows? But I, I could, uh, I could see his whole thing, ha- that whole happening with him oh. as a kid, because it happened to me too. Oh yeah, yeah, fair. It okay. was so weird. Cronenberg watched Marshall McLuhan, I think you have, is how you pronounce it, who Oblivion was based on, and McLuhan later taught at the University of Toronto while Cronenberg attended it, although he never took any of his classes. Um, and who he was, uh, his full name was Herbert Marshall McLuhan. He was a Canadian philosopher whose work is among the cornerstone of the study of media theory. Media studies is a discipline in a field of study that deals with the content, history, and effects of various media. He coined the term, the medium is the message. Uh, He proposes that a communication medium itself, not the message it carries, should be the primary focus of study. He showed that artifacts such as media affect any society by their characteristics or content. So the film holds an 80% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 54 reviews with an average score of 7.4 out of 10. Its consensus states, visually audacious, disorienting, and just plain weird, Videodrome's musings on technology, entertainment, and politics still feel fresh today. It has been described as a disturbing techno-surrealistic film and burningly intense, chaotic, indelibly surreal, absolutely like nothing else. Well, that's something, but I don't know if I'd say it's still fresh today. (laughs) I will say... It does have, like, a futuristic feel. Like, I, no one ever really confirms, right, that they're in the future. But no, they're not. They're It does feel that way, though. Yeah. Uh, like, 80s version of the future. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it is, but uh, just a lot of the themes, especially when he's on the talk show about, like, just media consuming everything. I'm like, you're right. I'm on my phone right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> how did you know? How did you know while I'm watching this movie that I'm consumed with what's on TikTok? Like... <laughs> They're not wrong. No, no. I was like, damn, you right. Yeah. Like, we are just consumed. So, I don't know. It does have themes that do carry over to now. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, before we dive into the plot, we had Videodrome rated as a 10 on the scariness scale. It's definitely weird. (laughs) Yeah. If we transfer to weird, it's... It's scary in the sense of, like, a body horror. Like, if any of that shit was happening to me. Yeah, it definitely brings across that intensity of especially, like, going in without seeing it before. You don't know how far they're going to go. Mm-hmm. So, especially, like, when you're in the 20-minute mark and we're already at the stomach vagina. And you're like, <laughs> oh, no, how much further can it happen? <laughs> 
Yeah, if we translate scary to uncomfortable and disturbing, then yeah. It's not traditionally scary, I don't think, but it's like, ooh. Mm. Ooh, that's gross. Yeah. That's nasty. <laughs> no. Why would they do this? <laughs> like that. Yeah. Very that. Yes. So. Call your mom. Why are you doing this? <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Uh, are you ready to dive into the plot? Yeah, I think so. No, go ahead. Yeah, we're going to try our best. Thank you, Wikipedia, for your assistance in this case. Max Bren is the president of Civic TV, a Toronto UHF television station specializing in sensationalist programming. Harlan, the operator of Civic TV's unauthorized satellite dish, shows Max Videodrome, a plotless show broadcasted from Malaysia, which depicts anonymous victims being violently tortured and eventually murdered. Can I just say, once okay, once they say the word videodrome, they say it every other sentence. Yes. Like videodrome. They they make I, videodrome sound like a person, a place, a thing. It, it's everything. Like, like you are videodrome. Like, I mean, that's you're basically. You're not wrong. Yeah. It's like, are you watching a videodrome? Do you want a sip of a videodrome? Are you hungry for, for some videodrome? videodrome? I'm going to go take a videodrome on the toilet. Like that's what is that's what is happening. Yes. Like, yes. Believing this to be the future of television, Max orders Harlan to start taking unlicensed use of the show to like display on their network. I feel like that's very illegal, but okay. <laughs> I mean, if it's coming from Malaysia and they're just like ours. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Licensing? Yeah, I I don't know, but it feels a little like stealing, you know? I mean, it is, but who's going to catch them? True, true. He then goes on to a talk show of sorts to discuss his controversial views on hardcore porn where he meets the enigmatic media theorist Brian Oblivion and Nikki Brand, a therapist-like radio host. Can I – real quick before we go on. Can I just say Nikki Brand seems super like normal? For like two minutes. For like <laughs> she, was, she seemed like the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. She's going to be like – like, don't do this kind of a thing. And no, absolutely. Until he gets her alone. And then it's like, wow, she's the freaky one. Like, Well, let's not shame her. But, but well, you know what I mean, though? Like, she's like, it's completely off the wall compared to how she is. Yeah. In the interview. She's like a whole different person. I'm like, is this a writing issue? Like, did or they not like, just flesh out the character to understand this transcending into completely someone different like completely into torture porn? Like, I don't know. It was very weird. But I was like, okay, she's cool. Not that I, you know, she's not cool later but like she's completely <laughs> completely different a different person. person a couple of times like she changed her hair and i was like is she the same person <laughs> is it, she was played by like five different people it's I fine i feel like it yeah so she's like a therapist like radio host max soon becomes involved with her and she actually finds the episodes of videodrome very alluring and just wants to go to audition for the show when she learns that they take place in pittsburgh actually <laughs> of all places that was the funniest thing and I thought I misheard that this was in Canada. And then I'm like, yeah, no, it's in Canada. And then it's like the mysterious world of Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You make it sound like it's so dangerous over there. I don't know. Something weird. But granted, I don't know what it's like being a Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes out to audition and she just never returns. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. We, We know what? We never really said what. What's happening on the screen? It's just like someone in a really gross looking room. Yeah, with like water and like brick all around. Like you don't know if it's Not like even a brick. It's like it almost reminds me of like a sewer, but huge, like a big square sewer. And then they have like a red light over it. So it's 
I don't even the, know. The walls look like clay almost. Yeah, like there you go. Gooey. Yeah, I think they described it as a clay That's room. what I thought. Okay. okay but I, then there's water running between them, but then there's always, mm-hmm. well, like on the floor, obviously. And, um, I mean, you know how far this movie can go. It could be somewhere else, but. <laughs> it's in Pittsburgh. It's fine. This is normal Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes. Uh, and somebody is typically being whipped or beaten mm-hmm. basically by another person in the middle of this water in this room. Yeah. And it's just Max thinks it's super alluring because it's not like it, it doesn't have a plot. It just gets right to it. It's like <laughs> yeah. just right there in the middle of and Nikki's this like, person. Yeah. Nikki's like, hell yeah. Yeah. And she's like, this is cool. And then she like puts out her, a cigarette on herself. And did you see like the sensual ear piercing scene? Like where oh, he was piercing her ear and then putting it in his mouth in between piercing. Yeah. I was like, what is this? This <laughs> is unsanitary. Yes. You're going to get sick. Is that why it's so exciting? Because it's unsanitary? It's, it's pain. It's uh, yeah. masochistic. I guess. I don't know. But uh, they think it's fake. I don't know if Nikki thought it was fake. <laughs> I, think she, I think she was hoping it was real. Yeah. She's like, yeah. But I don't know. She she wanted to audition, so that sounds like a show, you know, where, you know, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't really matter because the show's weird. This whole This whole thing is weird. So Max contacts... Masha, and she's a softcore pornographer that offers to be his agent if he wants to make a bunch of softcore porn with her. Or is that know. what she was? I guess the older lady. Yes. Oh, I did not know that, but she had brought him like a version of softcore porn called Apollo and Dionysus. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. yep. So I, I, I thought she was more of an agent rather than like the actual pornographer. Granted, I don't know what all those titles entail. And he sits down and tells her about Videodrome because he can't shut up about it. Like he tells everybody on the street about Videodrome too. And um, even people in that interview when he first meets Nikki and Dr. Oblivion. And he wants Masha to find out the truth about Videodrome. So through Masha, Max learns that not only is the footage not faked, but it is the public face of a political movement. And uh, Masha further informs him that Brian Oblivion knows about Videodrome. Okay. All right. It, it, what's weird about it is he's like he's like so obsessed about this thing, and like deep down he knows that there's something more to it. Because mm-hmm. like if it's fake, it's just like okay, that's what it is. Like, right. w- what's the question here? Like, it's just someone being beaten up. Like, okay, end of story. Yeah. But like, he's like, no, what is it all about? I have like, to know. Yeah. So like, obviously, something. It was like, this is. More than I don't know if it's the whole like it takes place in Pittsburgh that bothers him and gets it because he hasn't like started hallucinating or anything yet. He's just like in Pittsburgh. America, explain. I need to know. America, explain. If it was happening in Malaysia, that's fine. That's them over there. But yeah, once you found out it's in Pittsburgh, maybe because it was so close. You maybe. know, it's just like hop over the pond. You know, maybe you're pretty close. Sure, we'll it's, say that it's more tangible. You know, it's like in his backyard. True. True. Okay. So Max goes to track down Oblivion to a homeless shelter, which I didn't know that was what was going on. Anyway, it's a bunch of homeless people sitting in these cubicles just watching TV with like this odd expression on their faces. And I I guess apparently they're encouraged to do this, to watch like sessions, uh, well, marathon sessions of television. Sounds like my everyday. Yeah. Netflix? Yeah. It's not that big of a deal no more. Okay. Right. I, I guess this is like another symbolism of how media is destroying us. Like they even invite the homeless to come watch TV. So, I don't know, maybe 
I don't know. My stupid little brain is like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I have to really thank our friend Matt that watched this with me. Like, Charlie would never be able to stomach it. And and half the time I'd be like, Matt, what is happening? Really? <laughs> yeah. We just needed Matt on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Explain the movie <laughs> to us. Yeah. Be- <sighs> There's a fine line between profound and pretentious. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of this movie, I'm like, what are you even going on about? Like. Yeah. And, I mean, like, there's certain films where, like, you don't really know what's going on. So then there's, like, a lot of fun stuff to think about. This didn't do it for me. (laughs) Like, as soon as it was over, I was like, good. Don't want to be thinking about that anymore. (laughs) I know. And not to say this movie's pretentious. That's not what I meant by that. But for me, again, who's just, like, I watch movies for enjoyment and, like, not to say I don't like movies that make you think. That's not what I'm saying. But I was like, I don't know what's happening. And I, at some point I check out. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, guys. This is not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're, fi- we're fine. We're going we're gonna to find the meaning by the end of this. It's going sure. to It's going to click. Yeah. Just ignore our musings. <laughs> we'll, we will get there. We'll get there. So Max discovers that Oblivion's daughter, Bianca, actually runs the mission intending to help realize her father's vision of a world in which television replaces every aspect of everyday life. And when he was in the interview, I felt like he was sort of, like, against that concept. But now that we've, like, sought him out, like, in person, quote-unquote, he doesn't really exist. Like, uh, like he's just on cassette tapes. Yeah. But apparently he died years ago. And she just distributes a bunch of cassette tapes for every situation. I know. I thought that was a really cool concept, but all as outlandish as that is, like, could you imagine just having a tape for every single very specific scenario? Just like, right. oh, yeah, no, here it is. <laughs> this will do. This, this will do, do for the scenario. <laughs> it will get close. Yeah. But, yeah, he's he did. Yeah. And all his responses are on tapes, so. Yeah, so, Key. but I guess when they played the tape during his interview, I thought, like, they were just broadcasting him, but it was actually a tape in the interview. And he seemed like he was concerned that media was taking over society, and that's not what he wanted. Apparently, that's not the case. That's mm-hmm. what he wants to happen. Yeah. So um, He subverted your expectations. Yeah. He's like, psych, I actually like this shit. Right. And Bianca actually even mentions at one point, too, before the end of his life, he wasn't even meeting face-to-face with people anymore at that point either. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just distributing tapes. <laughs> I mean, if you – if you have enough tapes to just hold conversations without actually having the conversation. Could you imagine how, like, streamlined my day would be? I don't actually have to talk to you. I could just be like, talk to this. I don't even know. I could just go about my day. Yeah, there you go. This I just feel like there's – AI. Like... Rap. AI. Yeah. Yeah. That's They're on the way for that. Yeah. Okay. Instead of just – that's what he did. Instead of AI-generated tapes, he just, like, pre – did all that. So Yeah, but like, we go. she said somewhere around like a thousand. It was a lot. I, and I mean, I guess you need it for every scenario. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like a thousand is not enough. No. Either way, this is, this is how he gets about in the world. He ain't talking to nobody. <laughs> Later, Max views a videotape in which Oblivion informs him that Videodrome is a socio-political background in which a war is being fought to control the minds of the people of, of North America. And during this tape, too, like, they're, we're just, like, skipping past that on Wikipedia for some reason. 
he sees like a guy come out of nowhere with like a hood on and just start like tying Oblivion's hands to his chair and then oh, yeah. starts to strangle him. And the whole time, Oblivion's still talking like nothing's happening to mm-hmm. him. So this is part of Max's like first hallucination. And right after that, like it freaks him out. Nikki ends up speaking directly to him through the TV and starts making the TV undulate. <laughs> I don't even like that word. <laughs> Undulation TV. Yeah, Stomach vaginas. Yeah. We have it all, baby. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like breathing. It's weird. And Pulsating. It, yeah. And, and Expanding. Veiny, and veiny in places. And I'm like, skin. why? It's like skin. Mm-hmm. It's like a thing. It's like a living yeah. thing. Yeah. And he like – Kisses the screen and like his face partially goes into it. I, like I don't. <laughs> he was like motorboated in the TV. <laughs> yeah, and she's like making these mouth noises. Like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. that was the most disturbing part. Right, right, yeah. So we just move on from that. Like that's the end of that scene. Yep. <laughs> Didn't need to know why. Disturbed Max returns to Oblivion's homeless shelter, where Bianca tells him. A uh, videodrome carries a broadcast signal that causes the viewer to develop a malignant brain tumor. And he's like, yeah, why would you let me watch that? You know, she's like, you know, everybody has one. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's videodrome. You are videodrome. We drink videodrome. Like, we take a videodrome on the toilet, like I said. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just... So Oblivion helped to create it as part of his vision for the future and viewed the hallucinations as a higher form of reality. I didn't get that, but okay. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't want to be living my life with these hallucinations. These are yeah. not good hallucinations. This is a bad trip. Right. They are not fun hallucinations. None of them are. Like, he's constantly freaking out. Yeah. And honestly, that's also part of the whole confusion of this movie, too. Like, you never know, like, what side is Bianca or Oblivion really on, too. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, no, they're against the whole video drum thing. Mm-hmm. Or, no, they created it, so why would they be against it? And then they're, like, warning him, like, no, video drum is bad. Don't do it. it right. It, it's very confusing. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently he helped create it and thought that the hallucinations were a higher form of reality. So when he found out it was going to be used for malevolent purposes, he attempted to stop his partners. They used his own invention to kill him. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like I said, Wiki's doing the heavy lifting in this. Like, I I couldn't tell you that that's what happened. I just thought, you know, he's dead. Yeah. That's all we knew. <laughs> yeah. Later that night, Max hallucinates placing his handgun in a slit in his abdomen. This is the stomach vagina part. Yeah, it is very clearly... A phallic. What's the opposite of phallic? A feminine. A feminic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is It is inappropriate. It is definitely feminine anatomy on his stomach. Yeah. That. He puts his hand right in there. Along with a gun. He's just like poking around. Everyone's using it as a change purse after a while. <laughs> They're just like, you need to open your shirt. We got something for you. Yeah. Let me hold that for you. <laughs> and I, I guess it's to make him represent like a VCR, you know, like – yeah, because he does shove a tape in there. I'm jumping yeah. ahead, but who cares? He shoves a tape in there with his gun in his hand. Man needs to get a purse or a bag or something. Like it, no, he doesn't need it. He's got his, he's his got stomach slit. It's very safe in there. Yeah. <laughs> so 
He is contacted by Videodrome's producer, Barry Convex of Spectacular Optical Corporation, an eyeglass company. I was like, what is happening? An eyeglass? (laughs) Yeah, and I guess it acts as a front for this company. Again, I was like, so are they Videodrome or is Oblivion Videodrome? I don't understand. Everyone's Videodrome. But what's funny is – they don't really say where like this store is. I'm a, I'm presuming it's all in Toronto. So why is this based in Pittsburgh then? Where Oblivion and this eyeglass store is in that city, but it's being filmed there in Pittsburgh. In, well, I don't know. So yeah, it's a front for the army of a Videodrome. I guess. And they use a device to record Max's fantasies of whipping Nikki. Max then wakes up to find Masha's corpse in his bed. Oops. And <laughs> She's just chilling dead in his bed. Yeah, which, I mean, he did ask her to research this. This always happens in horror movies. Everyone's like, yeah, this awful thing's happening to me because I, you know, I read this message. I looked at this video. Can you look into it for me, please? And then everyone's like, sure, I'll go watch that or Hell listen no. to it or whatever. Stephanie, I'm telling you right now, if you <laughs> roll up to my house and you're like, hey, I need you to look into this, don't even bother. The answer is no. If you need me to look into it, you're painting me a word picture, not not leaving the material with me yeah. to, to get myself cursed. <laughs> Write it down. On this napkin, <laughs> right. that's as far as we're going. And we're burning it after. <laughs> right. I ain't watching nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so Masha's corpse is in his bed, and he frantically calls Harlan to photograph the body as evidence because he's worried that's a hallucination. So he's, like, trying to prove it to himself that she's actually there. But, you know, Harlan comes and he's like, yeah, nothing's there. I think it would be weird if I just photographed your sheets and your pillows. And he's like, no, 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 something was there. And he's freaking out. And Harlan's like, yeah, but this is way too early for me to be coming in doing these crazy little house calls. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm not getting paid for this shit. Right, right. It was weird. So he says that he will meet him in the studio in an hour or wherever they're doing their little broadcasting station where he's pulling these video drum films and he'll explain everything that's happening so he wants to use the latest video drum broadcast to show harlan that like it's real like whatever it is like it it's making people hurt people and he whipped masha in the last video drum and or did it, he whip nikki well he thought he was whip, whipping nikki but i guess but it cut even in the video drum episode, it like it, cut, um, it turned her around, and you're only looking at Nikki's face, but then it's Masha. So I guess from the back, he's assuming the whole time she's Nikki, and then he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, must have been Masha." <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very that. So he wants to use this recent broadcast to prove to Harlan that it's really happening, but Harlan reveals that he's been working with this glasses company. And subjecting him basically to Videodrome the this whole time. Bitch. I was like, are you kidding, Harlan? Yeah. So I guess it's to help their cause to end North America's cultural decay by giving fatal brain tumors to anyone so obsessed with sex and violence that they would watch Videodrome. So now it's against America. Yeah. Fair. But <laughs> what? Okay. Uh. You look exhausted. I am. You look tired. I am. Do you need a nap? Kind we of. need to take a break. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> give us a beat. Let, let's take a power nap, power yeah. nap for five minutes. Okay. I, no, I wouldn't be any better after that. So Convex then takes 
another brainwashing Betamax tape into Max's torso. I don't know where Betamax is, but it's like another video drum tape, something to also keep on triggering more hallucinations, more whatever to get what they want out of their cause. Uh, so, you know, they put it in the stomach vagina. Yeah, yes. so a Betamax is a consumer-level analog recording and cassette format of magnetic tape for video, so it's a VHS. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Under Convex's influence, Max murders his colleagues at Civic TV and later attempts to murder Bianca, who manages to stop him by showing him a videotape of Nikki's murder on the video drum set. Is his, <laughs> is his hand a gun yet at this point? We're close. Oh, I we're think, not there yet? Well, no. If he murders the colleagues, yeah. So his hand, his hand is the gun, though. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's a very important part, I feel. Well, yeah, because remember, like, after he, he sticks his gun in the stomach vagina, <laughs> we're going to get, like, flagged for saying vagina too many times, I feel like. We're marked as explicit. It's yeah, fine. True, true. Anyway, so he he sticks his gun in his stomach vagina for safekeeping. <laughs> for later use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he brings it out and it starts trying to like morph into his hand like with like little nails. It's like starting to become part of his hand. Mm-hmm. He's like a guns akimbo. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. It's a really – it's kind of a funny movie. It's Daniel Radcliffe. He's like an internet troll and somehow he gets cursed with these – guns being like part of his hands and then he's just running around trying to like stop these people from kicking his butt and stuff like that because they're coming (laughs) after him but he's also you know running around using guns as his hands and (laughs) never even heard of it it's it's funny you should check it out okay i'll check it out (laughs) so bianca then reprograms max to her father's cause death to videodrome long live the new flesh on her orders he kills harlan and convex so this is the part where I'm like, again, it's confusing. Are Bianca and her father part of Videodrome or against Videodrome? They're against it at this at, – at, as far as we know at this point in time because they go – yeah, because they try to get him to kill her. Yeah, the, the cause yeah, that's yeah, yeah. against it and then right. – but I guess they're also against it at this point because people are using Videodrome for the wrong reasons is what – they sort of mentioned previously. What's the right reason? It literally causes tumors and has you hallucinate. Like, what's a good reason to use this? The fun hallucinations that are not so fun? I don't know. Is it like recreational drug use? Maybe. But, like, if it causes you a tumor, no matter. Don't do it. Like, what? Either way, we're on the last paragraph, so almost down here. I know. I just, I feel bad for anyone listening to this who actually understands this movie. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, we're frustrating. I know. They're like, you know what? Fuck this podcast. <laughs> oh, please don't be the first episode that you ever listened to us. <laughs> They're like, oh, Videodrome, one of the best movies ever. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, wanted for their murders as well of those of his colleagues, Max takes refuge on a derelict boat in the Portlands. Appearing to him on a television, Nikki tells him he has weakened Videodrome, but in order to completely defeat it, he must ascend to the next level and leave the old flesh. The television then shows him an image of Max shooting himself in the head, which causes the set to explode. Reenacting what he has just seen on the television, Max utters the words, long live the new flesh, and shoots himself. And, like, the TV doesn't just blow up because at this point the TV is a biological thing. thing. Yeah, so it's like guts. Yeah, Yeah, organs and everything flies out of it. Again, it seems like 
he's part of Videodrome again, even though he's weakened it, but it feels like a trick. I feel, yeah, it's like a parasite at this point. It's like he weakened it, but now he is also weakened. So he's just all of it. All of it is just he's too consumed at this point and he has to destroy it from the inside. Sure. Dun, dun. Would you like to hear about television's effect on mental health? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need a cigarette after that. So excessive TV viewing has been linked to negative impacts on mental health. One possible effect is the development of depression and anxiety. According to studies, people who watch a lot of television may feel more physically alone and socially isolated, which can lead to anxiety and depression. This effect is particularly strong among people who use television as a way to escape from personal problems. Watching TV before going to sleep can also have an impact on mental health by disrupting sleep patterns, leading to fatigue and irritability, which can contribute to depression and anxiety. Another potential way that TV can impact mental health is through its effect on cognitive decline. Studies have linked moderate to high amounts of TV viewing during midlife to greater declines in cognitive function and lower gray matter volume later in life. Early and excessive TV watching in children may also have adverse effects on cognitive development, specifically in language and verbal skills. These cognitive impacts may lead to decreased overall mental health status, affecting daily life and older age. Additionally, excessive exposure to violent and graphic content in TV programming can trigger negative psychological effects, such as trauma or post-traumatic stress disorder. While violence in TV programs is common, it often lacks context, meaning it fails to address the complexity of real-world violence or its impact on the victim's mental and physical health. Research has shown that excessive exposure to violence in TV programs can be harmful to viewers, particularly children, leading to aggressive behavior, emotional desensitization towards violence, and a lack of empathy. Lastly, TV consumption can also have negative effects on mood and self-image. With the rise of TV shows promoting unrealistic beauty standards, it is easy to come away with a negative perception of oneself or what the ideal body or life should look like. For people already struggling with low self-esteem or body image issues, excessive exposure to media promoting unrealistic expectations of what people should look or act like can make their mental health worse. In conclusion, while TV can provide entertainment and knowledge, excessive consumption can negatively impact mental health and well-being. It is recommended to limit exposure to violent or graphic content, engage in other activities that promote physical activity, social engagement, and cognitive stimulation and consult with a healthcare provider if you experience any signs of mental illness. That's really all I could find about it, but I feel like there's also arguments about like how TV is helpful. Oh yeah, for, for sure. distressing and I feel like everyone can say like too much of a good thing is bad, you know. Yeah. It's the same about a lot of other stuff, like being on your phone or being on social media. Yeah, I was going to say I feel like I'm like the phone is more where I feel all this shit. Mm-hmm. Like the TV, I'm like fine with. I feel yeah, it's like too much time on my phone. I'm like antsy. I'm irritable. If other people like I'm if I'm hanging out with them and they're on their phone the whole time, I get like pissed. Yeah, <laughs> the TV I feel like is fine. Yeah, same. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up watching a lot of television as a child as well, but. I'm also at the point in my life, too, since I work from home, that 
TV is relatively comforting for mm-hmm. me, even if it's not something I'm really paying attention to. It just helps with the background noise and makes me feel less alone than socially isolated, honestly, because, you know, I've been working from home since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I have a little embarrassing secret, I guess. But, like, if I'm home alone, like, if Nick's away, like, has to sleep at his mom's or like, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I can't sleep without the TV on because I get freaked the fuck out. Like, I need Thanks. the TV on. So, like, if I'm home alone and, like, I'm trying to go to bed, I have to have my TV on. I mean, I'm pretty much the same. Um, Honestly, though, like, luckily, Charlie and I haven't really spent too many nights apart. But if he's, like, out late recording or something, I swear, like, our dogs always know that, like, I'm I'm the lady of the house and I'm by myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, they're, like, completely on high alert and that Mm -hmm. just makes me tense. So I just end up staying up late watching videos or something because it helps with – I don't know, my anxiety about being alone. Yeah, it makes me feel safe. Yeah. Like, TV's there. TV's there to comfort you. It's quiet yeah. if it's not on. Yeah. And, like, I'm left alone with my thoughts. So I just need, like, the TV on. It feels like someone's there. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not, nothing has changed. I'm not in any less danger. Right. But, like, I can't I can't sleep if I'm alone without the TV on. Yes. Same. So, girl, TV I don't know. It's we like, best we'll friends. Cover. I don't know. I can't tell you it's really doing a lot of damage, at least in my opinion, <laughs> personal maybe, opinion. Well, maybe that's why we need it because we're so fucking damaged at this <laughs> oh, point. No. Like, we need it. We're like, it's like we can't sleep. We're scared. <laughs> like, like, oh, we need to tell Bibbin set. We are video drum. Stephanie! We figured it out. We're video drum. Oh, no. What? Oh no! You are video drone. I am video drone. We are Fuck. all video drone. I told you we'd get to a conclusion. Yes. Wrap this shit up. Better late than never. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show and listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, giving us a five star rating is super helpful, and we will always appreciate it. You can find us on social media using Thirteen Degrees of Screams. This has been Thirteen Degrees of Screams, and we will see you next week. Something about DVDs and videotapes. Welcome to my DVD DVD. <laughs> Remember having to like rewind them in your VCR? Be kind, rewind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our new logo has a LMNOP VHS. Yeah, right. It does. It does. Because these days don't even know what that is. No. Mm-mm.